If you have your Bibles open in Psalm 119, verse number 160, the Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. I want you to know this morning that I'm not going to try to bore you. I want you to know that uh, I get a whole month to talk about the most precious thing that I own, and that is the Bible. I have a lot of things. Uh, you, you do too. But one of the most precious things that I have and I possess is the Scriptures. And I know that you look at your Bible as being God's Word, and I think it's important to really understand what is the Bible. I think, really, that as we're looking at the theme for the year and why am I talking about the Bible, is because there are certain things that I think we ought to be unmovable on. Good luck trying to change me to any other source of help and strength other than the Bible. You might read a lot of things, and that's good that you have the desire to read and to learn. But I think the Bible ought to be the number one uh, thing that you should read and you should study and you should know. One of the things that the ordination that I was with on Friday was that the Bible kept coming back. Uh, he answered with the Word of God, and so I gave him a thumbs up prior to, of course, the ordination. Uh, we, he is one of our missionaries, but I just love the way that he was able to bring the Word of God out in all of his answers. What is the Bible, and, and why is it written? You know, uh, Why has, has it been preserved for us? Uh, what's so important about it? I, I think we go back to our country, and, and there were people that understood this, that the Bible was very important, and, and what is it for? I, I think, first of all, I want you to know that the Bible redeems. The Bible says, of course, in 1 Peter one twenty three, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so if there is a incorruptible seed, the Bible is that. And so we look at the word of God as being made flesh and dwelt among us, then we ought to have the same attitude toward the Bible as we have toward the Lord Jesus Christ, that he actually was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so what is your view of Jesus? What is your view of your Bible they should actually blend together, and you should be able to be hungry for the Word of God if you've been born from above. There is this desire to be underneath the preaching of God's Word. There is this desire within by the Spirit to be fed upon the words that are eternal. And you have the eternity in your hearts if you've been born from above and you have been renewed. The Old Testament doesn't talk about being born again, but the New Testament does. And so when a person is born from above, they have an earth birth, and then they have a spiritual birth. And by the way, you cannot see heaven unless you've been born again. The Bible's very clear on that, that uh, someone used to say, if you have two births, then you have one death. But if you only have one birth, then you have two deaths. In other words, if you've been born in the flesh, you have been born in a hospital or at the table at your home, or maybe in the ba in, in, you have his passion for his people. There are evidences uh, of being saved, loving the brethren, uh, loving the Lord, keeping his commandments. Those are all part of being born from above. So the Bible redeems, but the Bible also reveals. If we were to wonder what God looks like, we'd find out in the scriptures. The Bible talks about um, the Lord Jesus 
Christ having locks, if you would, in Isaiah, uh, curls, if you would, so you understand that. He didn't have the long flowing hair being consistent with what the Bible teaches because it is a shame unto a man to have long hair. And so we know that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is revealed in the book of Revelation. It maps out what he looks like. In Daniel, we can read about him. And so the Bible reveals it is revelation. We do not not follow a specific set of man's religious practices repetitively to gain God's acceptance acceptance of grace. We read the word of God and because the Bible is actually a Bible that we will reveal this God to us. We, by God's grace, enter into a covenant relationship by faith through God uh, and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And a Christian life is really obedience to the revelation that you see and that you read. And it's not just practicing a tradition. And so religion is good. You think about how the people ought to be moral. I agree with that. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ and having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is much better. And the Bible reveals this to us. God revealed his word through special revelation. He also revealed it through general revelation. If we were to think about how that general revelation would be that God reveals to us uh, who he is through the miraculous understanding of uh, just a day and night. If you were to look at the, the, the seasons and you would see that the transitions and all of this, uh, this cannot all of a sudden just happen because of some explosion. This is, shows intelligent design and how something can be frozen, and even how fish can drop to the bottom of the water, be be, uh, uh, ice on top, but you can actually uh, see a fish down below that may be lethargic in the springtime, will gain back its strength again, and will be able to reproduce again, even though the winter has come. And so I just want to encourage you that there is general revelation, and that is through the creation, but there's general revelation also through your conscience, because you know that you have done something wrong. You don't have to have God tell you something that you did wrong. You know you've done wrong. Why do men wait to do something bad at night? Why do the Democrats wait to have their little times in the evenings? Why do they wait till it's dark out? Because they have a conscience and they know that they're going against their conscience. There is that which is right and bright and light, and there is that which is dark and non-intellectual and foolish. I am surprised today that America has been fooled. America has been deceived. America has been brought into a place of lethargic when it comes to their walk with God. He's even uh, fooling even the best of men that have talents for God, that, that have the ability to do more greater works than I could ever do. But they're sitting home this morning thinking that they can do better for their family if they stay home. No, you can do better for your family if you come and get underneath the preaching of God's word by a person who loves the Bible and loves God. I think it's important for us to have an understanding of what the Bible reveals. General revelation gives us an understanding because of our conscience, because of 
the things that we see by nature. But I think it's important for us to remember that God has revealed his word through what we would call special revelation. God's self-manifestation occurred when Adam and Eve hid in the Garden of Eden. And God's self-manifestation is revealed in the Bible when Moses took off his shoes and stood silent before the burning bush. This was God revealing himself to man and showing man that there is a God. There is a burning bush. He did speak to him and told him that he was the great I am. The main goal of special revelation And scripture is always relational, it seems like. When God revealed himself to man, he was desiring a relationship. Where are you, Adam? Noah, Noah, Moses, Moses. Isn't it true that we could read the Old Testament alone and see that God had a desire to have a relationship with man? And it isn't important for us to understand that the Bible actually reveals the God of heaven. God reveals himself to you, of course, in special revelation. The general sense, through nature and through history and through the conscience, and special revelation, though, has been given to us by God so that we could have a personal relationship with him. The Bible reveals this. The Bible is a special book. It is a holy book. As I said earlier, 66 canonical books of the Bible are inspired by God for the purpose of redemption and revelation. And since all scripture is inspired or God breathed, then the word of God is without error. In all that they reveal and teach, the Bible is therefore infallible. And the final authority for faith and for practice for anyone who calls himself a Christian. It is where I get my meat. It is where I get my strength. It is where I get my assurance. It is where I get my power. I get it from the word of God. It doesn't come from any other book. It comes from the scriptures. Do you own a Bible? Do you love that book? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you love Jesus? It's important for us to know that the Bible has been inspired, and the Bible says that it's inspired. The word of God is without error, and it is revealed to teach and to reveal who God is. The Bible is therefore infallible for anyone who is interested in getting to know truth and get to the truth of the matter, they would read that which is true. I love the scriptures because it is true. A hundred years ago, it was mostly by word of mouth, if we think about it. Maybe then it was by newspaper, then by radio, then by TV. Now internet, we communicate in all of these ways. But we're really desiring that which is true. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. So the word of God is revelation, but it is also profitable for us to be able to learn more about who God is. And so not only for doctrine, but also for reproof and for instruction in righteousness. I think it's important for us to have a high view of the word of God. I think it's something that should be unmovable in our life, that we take the word of God and place it underneath our arm and we walk with our head back and our shoulders back and say, this is truth, and I have the truth. And I want to hide the truth in my heart. 
Someday I may not be able to have the pages of the scripture and be placed into a jail someday or into a cell. I want to have as much memorized as I can so I can write it on the walls. And so if they come to feed me, they can see the word of God. I want to be able to explain it to others. I want to be able to enjoy the word of God because I know that it is true. So what is truth? I think we see from this understanding that God's word is true. In the early 1900s, George Riddle acquired the sensational London newspaper. The news of the world, they said it was. Meeting the British journalist Frederick Greenwood one day, Riddle mentioned that he owned a newspaper, and he told Greenwood his name and its name. And he offered to send him a copy, and the next time they met, Riddle asked Greenwood, what do you think of my newspaper? He said, I looked at it. I put it in the wastebasket. And Greenwood said, then I thought, the cook might get it and read it, so I burned it. There was such a breakdown in truth written in a newspaper that somebody with a backbone decided to say, if it's not truth, then burn it. Pretty powerful. I think it's important for us to understand that there's been a breakdown in truth in our generation. I think that the only desire we ought to have as we pull in the driveway of this church is to be underneath the preaching of the word of God and be in fellowship with believers, absolutely. But if we think about this, I am actually going to enter into the place where the Bible calls the church the pillar and the foundation of truth. Pretty powerful. You've come this morning not to play games. You came this morning and took the time and you'll have a wonderful lunch afterwards, but you came to hear the truth because you've been told a lie all week long. I was watching the news this morning. St. Augustine, when regarded for truth, has been broken down or even slightly weakened, all things will remain doubtful. Once the news has been broken down to the place of us being told the same thing, and they create the narrative so that you can turn from one station to the next and hear the same thing over and over again, then you're being told a lie, and if they tell you long enough, you're going to start to believe it. Dear friend, let me tell you something. You need to bathe your brain in the Word of God every single day. Every morning you get up, say, Lord, I'm open, I'm here today because it's been a gift to me to be alive. And I am breathing, and I understand that you breathed the Bible. You inspired it, and I am going, and you are truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And if you have a relationship, and if you internalize Jesus Christ, you have internalized the truth. And so you know what truth is when you hear the falseness of this world. Sometimes we're afraid to say it. I think we ought to say it more, that we believe that the culture is being deceived little by little by the demonic power of the media. It's important for us to know that Satan is alive and well and tricking and deceiving. Once the devil was walking along with one of his demons, they saw a man ahead of them picking up something shiny, he said, what did he find, said one of the demons. And 
The devil said he found a piece of truth. Doesn't it bother you that he found a piece of truth? Oh, no, the devil said. I'll see to it that he makes a religion out of it. I see to it that he'll use it just far enough to deceive men. And as we face the issues of our day, there is still one thing that will guide us and that will help us, and that is the truth, the word of God. And we have been born again. We know that Jesus Christ is the truth. The truth and Jesus are synonymous because the word of God was made flesh. We read it in John chapter 17. The Bible says in verses 14 through 17, I have given them thy word and the world hates them. Because they are not of the world. And even as I am not of the world, I pray not that thou shouldest be taken out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth, because thy word is truth. So what is truth? I looked it up in the dictionary, Webster, 18 and 28. I don't know what the dictionaries of our day say, but truth is the conformity to fact or reality. Truth is the conformity to fact or reality. Exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. The truth of history constitutes its whole value. Webster went on to say that we rely on the truth of the scriptures and the scriptural prophecies, true state of facts or things, is what truth is. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 7, my mouth shall speak truth. Wisdom stands at the gates and upon the buildings even of our city and cries out, anybody want the truth? Anybody want wisdom? Yet we have a city board in this city that is so blinded by humanistic thinking that they can violate your desires and your will. And your will is lined up with God's will, but you have 36 people in this city that want to tell you what to do. It's a horrible thing that's happening, but yet we remain silent. Wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8 reveals to us that he has always been there. She is something that we should crave for. The Bible says, of course, in the 17th verse of John chapter 17, sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. What is that telling us? That's telling us that truth is permanent. Truth is eternal. Lies are temporary. You have uh, one of the members of our church that was a detective for years and years. And I used to talk to him quite frequently back in the beginning years of having him here as one of the deacons. He became the deacon chairman. His health is not good, but he's downstairs this morning. Same smile, same desire to hear the word of God, same Bible underneath his arm this morning, walked in. And... But I remember sitting in meetings sometimes with him and We'd have five or six deacons, and we would talk about things. And, and David Olivas, uh, Tony Olivas, a detective, they called him Tony there. I thought he looked like Tony Savalas. I think he needed a little sucker in his mouth at times. 
but he was a great detective. But what he would do, and why he was so great, was because he would ask questions. And he would use his reasoning, and he would circle around and catch the person in a lie. And he could do it very well. He'd do it very well and get paid for it, and he could do it very well in the church and as a deacon chairman. And he would discuss things and help us understand that truth is permanent, and if you keep talking to people and keep questioning them, you're going to find out what the truth is. You ever have children that disobey you and you're trying to find out whether they're saying the truth or not? We had it at our house when I grew up. Somebody was taking chocolate chips from the jar where my mom would hold them for chocolate chip cookies. And we didn't know who it was. We had five children in the family. Of course, David was just a little boy. We called him Dusty. And we were all sitting around the table. My mom said, I want you to put your head down in your arms and put your face down. And I'm going to have you have you raise your hand if you took some chocolate chips. I started to peek. I wondered who it was. Nobody was raising their hand because it was Dean. Yeah. Truth will surface sooner or later. Mom found out. Dad gave me a little bit of uh, desire not to lie again when he came home. But when it comes to the truth, I wrote on a piece of paper when I became a pastor, I said, my words need to be as good as gold. God changes us and gives us the power to be able to walk in the truth, to tell the truth, and to stand for the truth. Sometimes pastors are accused of things. I, not too far from here, there's been a pastor that's been accused of some things, and so him and his right-hand person, both of them left the church, and the church is dog-paddling, it seems like, and the new pastor who stepped in has called me a couple of times and said, just wait, just wait. Truth will surface sooner or later. Truth came out of the tomb 2,000 years ago. Truth is alive and well, and you'll see the truth. Just wait. Sometimes we want to blab everything. You don't have to. God will take care of it. Truth will always be consistent, and lies will always contradict. Truth is consistent, invincible, enduring, and the fact belongs not only to the divine admonitions, but also to the human in effects, because the word of God is true. You can trust the word of God. You do reap what you sow, and if you do what is right, God's going to bless you. Try it. It works. How does the truth affect you? been affected by truth. Have you been? Psalm 117, verse number two says, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Why? Because his word is truth. Isaiah 45, 23 says, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, and that thou unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. The Bible says in 2 Peter, wherefore I will not be neglect, negligent 
to put you always into remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So that brings us to Psalm 119, verse 160, where the Bible makes it very clear that God is faithful. As we're looking at the text this morning, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. What a powerful statement. As he read this, and as he wrote it, and as he was able to live it, The psalmist desired to be able to know that God's word is faithful. Matthew Henry wrote this next to the verse. It has always been found faithful hitherto that never failed any that venture upon it. It is true from the beginning, ever since God began to reveal himself to the children of men, all he said was true and to be trusted. The church from its beginning was built upon this rock, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and has not gained its validity by the lapse of time, as many governments have, whose best plea is prescription as long usage, that which at first wanted validity, in the progress of time acquired it, but beginning of God's word was true from the beginning. His government was laid upon a sure foundation in all and in every age that have received God's word in faith and love have found every saying in it faithful and well worthy of all acceptation. What a beautiful way of saying that God's word is true. And we are of another kingdom. There has been a kingdom that it was hewed out of the mountain. It's called the kingdom of God. And how you can enter into the kingdom of God is how you are born again into that kingdom. Are you and do you have the kingdom of God in your heart? Do you have eternity there really is the question. And if you do, you have the truth there. It is faithful because of its origin. The the Bible is true and the Bible is faithful because of its origin. It says right here, thy word is true from the beginning. This is God's word. He claims it. This confirms both the verbal and the plenary inspiration of God. The word means that from above, all and is all. We do not pick and choose only parts of the Bible, parts that don't offend people or parts that maybe would offend you so we keep it out. You just want to be able to preach messages that are non-confrontational. You that are reading the Bible all the way through know that you've read some things over the last few weeks. You say, man, I can't believe that that's in the Bible. I didn't know that he did. That's a horrible thing he did. But God walked with him later on. How could that be? Because your life is not just in one chapter. Your life is a book. And you may have had some bad chapters. But the Bible is true that you can be redeemed, and you can be forgiven, and you can have the power to walk up high, even if you've made mistakes in the past. And I would say probably that most of you have. I know I have. And if you have never made a mistake in the past, let's have lunch together today. And you can buy, because you're so good. It says... His word is true. 
This speaks of the sure foundation. The word of God can be trusted because it does not rest upon hypotheses or speculations, or a, but it rests upon an infallible and an immutable declaration of the God of heaven. He says in Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient of times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The God of heaven is on his throne and he is continuing to do his will. Proverbs 22, 17 through 21, the Bible says, Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. They shall withal be lifted up in thy lips, that thy trust may be in the Lord, for I have made known to thee this day even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge? that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of the truth to them that send unto thee. In the New Testament, the Bible says that this Bible has been given to us that we may know the certainty of these things in Luke chapter 1. That we may know the certainty of life, the certainty of what happened, the certainty of what will happen. That's why the Bible has been given to us. Verse number four of Luke chapter one, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. From the beginning, this is talking about then its duration, if you would. From the beginning, every word from Genesis to Revelation, that's called plenary inspiration. Verbal inspiration is direct inspiration from God to man. But plenary is talking about every portion of his word. Every single word in the Bible is inspired by God. Now we know that the commentators had helped us by putting a few words in italics. Would you take them out? You take those words and place them somewhere else. You'll see that we have the complete word of God before us. From the beginning to the end. Translated more literally, the sum of thy words is true. The sense is substantially the same. The whole body of revelation is true. Thy word is nothing but truth. Since thou first promised from the beginning even to the end, I believe that all things have been given to us and they are true. The Bible says in Psalm 138, verse number two, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast manifested, revealed thy word above all thy name. He is actually saying he elevated his word above his name. Dear friend, there is no name under heaven whereby we can be saved. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a high view of who Jesus is. But do we have a high view of what this is? Do you understand that when you take it home today, that this is the very word of the living God? This is what you need? This is what God desires for you to know? Sometimes you ever say, well, God, what are you trying to teach me? Hello! We see the fortress of God's word. Verse number 61. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe. No matter what happens to the external body, they could take me and beat me and whip me, 
They can do whatever they choose, but my heart will be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened in thy, the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And be strong and strengthened in the Lord. Every gracious soul stands in awe of the word of God, of the authority of its precepts, of the terror of its threatenings. And to those that do nothing, appears in the power and the wrath of man at a formable, we ought to obey God rather than men. And to make sure that God's favor is upon us. Though we throw ourselves under the frowns of the world at times and people will call us ignorant, we know down deep in our hearts that we have trusted the truth, the God of heaven. This heart then stands in awe of God's word and is armed against the temptations that arise or the persecutions that may try to move us from what we believe in. We have internal fortitude that gives us strength when persecuted or afflicted. We have an intentional reverence and respect for the word of God as it is being preached to us and as we come to be able to hear it We have awe of thy word. They that tremble at the convictions of the word may triumph in its consolations of it, Matthew Henry said. But I need to close. The fruit of God's word. These are the byproducts of walking in the truth. Psalm 119, verse number 162 says, I rejoice at thy word. As one that finds a great spoil. Have you ever found something really, really valuable? You ever found a coin? You think, man, I wonder what this thing is worth. I'm going to look it up and see. You ever find an old antique thing that you might think is worth something and say, man, that's pretty valuable. That is nothing compared to what the Word of God is. The Word of God is like it's, it's, it can't really be compared to anything. It's, it's, it's really out of this world. The word of God is, is worth more than you can ever, ever imagine. Take all of the world and bring all of their currency and lay it in a pile and then lay the Bible next to it. I would choose the Bible. And then I would go to McDonald's and work. Because I'd rather have my Bible and work at McDonald's drive through than to have all the money in the world and not have the Word of God. Because someday I'm going to be judged by this. I'm not going to be judged by some wimpy person who grew up with a humanistic thinking that wants to put their own desire and power upon somebody else. The fruit... The guide of our life, a sure promise of mercy, brings communion with God. In verse number 63, 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. A deep-rooted dislike for sin, but a deep-rooted affection for the word of God. In Psalm 164, the Bible says seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Seven times is often the number of completion. Of course, directly and continually. I think the best verse you can memorize this year is 165. Look what the Bible says. Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Why am I getting you to read the Bible all the way through? Yeah. To help you. 
Why was the Bible given to us by God? To help us. I mean, even when he's established the relationship in the beginning, he was talking about how he loved his people and how he loved them and wanted to communicate to them. And here were the Ten Guidelines and here were the Ten Commandments so that they would actually take them and walk with God. Not so they can't do things, but so they can live the abundant life. So they can live the wonderful life. And if you don't have any boundaries, you're going to live a horrible life. Get some boundaries. Get some backbone. But be in the Word of God. Let the Word of God change you. Great peace have they. To enjoy a peace which sets above us above the power of evil, which places us out of the reach of fortune, which inspires us with courage in the midst of danger, which opens our eyes to look through the gloomiest scenes of sorrow to the blessed hope of the glorious future. A kind of peace which establishes our hearts in a patient expectation of God's deliverance so that nothing can terrify or dismay us is that which the world can never give and which can only proceed from the blessed spirit of the living God, whose providence it is to confirm the faithful to the end, and so to arm their faith that nothing shall offend them. This is that peace, he goes on to say, Matthew Henry. This is that peace to which the psalmist here speaks, and which is the particular lot an inheritance of the righteous, and of him who loves the law, the word of God, the truth of God, is peace. Peace of a clear conscience. Peace means joy of the Holy Spirit living within you. The love of God's word in one of the best preservatives from stumbling in the path of your faith or duty. It is to have the word of God living within you. And you can have that this morning by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first step. Have you let him into your heart? He's been knocking. Sir, can I come in? Young, young man, I've been trying to come into your heart. I've been showing you that I am who I am. Maybe you're here this morning, young lady. Maybe you're here, ma'am. But you've never opened your heart to Jesus why don't you do that? Maybe you're at home. Just get down next to your chair, next to your couch, and get on your knees and say, Lord, I want to start this year on the right track, and I, I ask you to come into my life and save me. There is salvation no other place than Jesus Christ. You'll find salvation no other place. And after you've found salvation, you will find joy in nothing else than serving and living and learning about Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to come to an old-fashioned altar. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you're at spiritually. Believe me, I don't. I love every one of you. Shaking your hand is a joy, especially on Wednesday nights. I greet you when you come in. But maybe there's something going on now that you need to come forward and talk to God about. You're a Christian and you know that God loves you, you've received Christ, but there's just some time you need to have with the Lord here at the altar, then come. And maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning and you still have not opened your heart. You've been religious, and you had a brain understanding of Jesus, but you've never had a heart experience because you've never opened your heart to him.
And why don't you come? If you're a lady, somebody will show you. A lady will show you how you can be saved. And if you're a man, I'll have the man show you from the word of God. But if you need to come, then you come. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just stand to your feet? No one looking around. Let's have an invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen.